This is Chris. Welcome to episode 336 of X-Lapsed, where uh, I'm in the middle of a fast. I'm set to get some blood work done pretty soon, and um, I just had blood drawn, like, uh, three weeks ago. But got one of those calls from the doctor saying, hey, we need you to go back. We need uh, need more blood. (laughs) So, uh, here we go again. I'm uh, just waiting for... My appointment and biding my time and uh, feeling a little lightheaded, which might be the perfect way to experience the issue we're going to discuss today. Today we're talking about X Deaths of Wolverine number four. This is that a May 2022 cover date? The story is called Deaths of Future Past, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Federico Vicentini, colors Dijo Lima, letters VZ's Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller, edits Baumgartner Basso White Sabolski, cover price $5. This one went on sale March 9, 2022. And I may have mentioned this yesterday, but my damn Alt-Tab isn't working. And it's really, really, really getting under my skin. Um, if anybody knows any uh, <laughs> any quick fixes, please don't hesitate to uh, hit me up. But uh, I'll waste no more of your time with that today. Let's get into the issue. Uh, we open in the near future. And uh, we could tell it's the near future because Wolverine and Forge have streaks of white in their hair. And if that doesn't say near future, then by golly, I don't know what would. Now, Forge presents Wolverine with a bean. Now, he explains that... It's a seed, actually, but Wolverine and bean rhyme. Uh, Now, he explains that this should create a gateway that would allow Logan to travel through time should he, you know, ever... You know, should the need ever arise. Wolverine ain't too keen on it. He's like, hey, I don't want this. If you want to travel through time, you do it. Forge responds the only way he can at this moment. He uh, jams the thing into Wolverine's left eye socket. Okay, and, you know, if that was like our body horror moment of the issue, I think it would have been extreme enough. But, uh, boy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, Now, just then, Krakoa begins to fall. The island is taken over by Sentinels. We see Nimrod there. Now, Forge tells Logan that, uh, you know, if, if there ever should come a time where he finds out how this happened... You know, with all the sentinels and whatnot. If he finds out how that happened, he should go back in time to ensure that it doesn't. Double page spread of roll colon cred. Our characters are Mora X, Omega Wolverine, Forge, Wolverine, that's X-23, Scout, Dakin, Dakin, Arnab Chakladar, Destiny, and Charles Xavier. From here we hop to that other X-cubed at the preserve... Here, post-human Mora stands over the Wolverine she dropped in the last issue's flash forward. She's he's not quite as dead as she hoped, however. Um, now she reminds him of her exile from Krakoa and tells him that they probably should have killed her when they had the chance. 
Now, as Logan lay dying, he remembers that he, you know, got that bean behind his left eye, and so he plucks it out with an increasingly phalanxy claw. He quickly buries the thing and hopes for the best. Info page, uh, where Mora exposits a bit about humanity and post-humanity. It's, it's a quote page. It's, it's not a mostly blank one, though. There's a lot of words on this one. She talks about how her death resets timelines and whatnot, but if she were somehow able to become part of the Phalanx hive mind collective dealie, she may truly become immortal. Back to comics, we're in the present, and we're at Chakladar's compound. Here, the Claw family have arrived to try and take out Mora. Unfortunately for them, she's already bugged out. Poor Arnab is still here, however, and uh, so the Wolverine set about uh, uh, torturing him until he spills the beans about where she got off to. Logan is then shot in the chest by a firearm, the size of which would uh, make Rob Liefeld blush, because, you know, clearly every single laboratory has to be armed with one of those. Since he is Wolverine, he quickly recovers. Then, with Chocolatar being held by Dakin, Dakin, our man tells him a little bit about the future. Now, Logan talks about how all of his kids die. He talks about how Dakin, Dakin, is killed by a sentinel. Scout is depowered and killed by Nimrod. Laura is captured, tortured, and experimented on for years by post-humans who ultimately harvest her skin and organs. Now, quite what this is trying to instill in Chocolatar, I'm not entirely sure. And, I mean... Say four people burst into your home and just beat the crap out of you. Would you really care about how they're going to die? I can't say that I would. In any event, this is enough for Arnab to blab. He says that Mora's gone, Krakoa way. And so, with everything he needs to know, uh, Logan uh, decides to lobotomize him with his claw before they leave. Doesn't kill him, just ensures that uh, he won't remember this, somehow. From here, it's an info page, and it's a conversation between Mora and Banshee that's being picked up by the Singing Stones. And we're going to find out here that Sean helped Mora return to Krakoa. Well, in a way. You see, Mora kills and skins Banshee. Then she wore his skin, the skin suit, she wore his skin suit in order to fool the Krakoan gateways into allowing her access to Krakoa. Um, I'm, I'm not joking. Uh, this is a... Uh, uh, hmm. Okay, uh, now scene shift. We're at the hatchery where Destiny is waiting for Mystique to pop out of her gold ball. She's also picturing the scene that we saw wrap up X-Lives number four where Wolverine stabs Xavier through the shoulders. Also, she seems to know that Mora is here, and indeed, she is. And so we rejoin her as she enters Forge's armory. And, um, hmm, it looks like she's traveling around the island via gateways. But, uh, here's the thing, she's no longer wearing Banshee's flesh suit, so that shouldn't be possible, right? Maybe, maybe I'm reading it wrong, I don't know. Anyway, uh, she procures Forge's anti-mutant zapper, hopeful that maybe there's like a reverse switch on it. Then she's confronted by a projection of Professor X who is bleeding from the shoulder. So, uh, so much for that big cliffhanger from X-Lives 4, then. Now they argue for a bit before Forge jumps Mora from behind. Destiny also enters the scene. After all, she's who told Forge where he needed to be. He informs Mora that there, there is no reverso switch on the, uh, 
you know, on that gun. It's uh, there's no repower setting. It's just a it's a one way thing. You take the powers, you don't give them back. Frustrated, Mora then gives Forge a dose of his own medicine, zapping him with the No More Mutants ray. She then loads herself into a set of Krakoan plant armor? Or something? Like, like she's suddenly just in this bio-armor chasing destiny. Uh, did we miss a panel? Did a panel fall off the page? I don't know. Since this is actually one of the least confusing things about the issue, I'll just, we'll just let it be. How about that? Anyway, as she chases Destiny, she runs afoul of Omega Wolverine, who runs his phalanxy claws right through her chest, killing... No, wait. Not killing her. Okay. Mora then zaps Wolverine with the neutralizer, and uh, so he loses his healing factor. Without his healing factor, the phalanx infection takes over completely, leaving us with... Yet another cliffhanger of a heel-turned Wolverine. (laughs) Hasn't that been, like, the ending in the past, like, four chapters of this story so far? I don't know, but that's where we leave it. Uh, Next episode, uh, X-Men Unlimited Latitude, the print version. I mean, if Marvel can repackage their stuff, I guess I can too. At least I ain't charging six bucks for it. But that's next time. For now, let's... Let's try to wrap our heads around this. Um, hmm... What what do we talk about? (laughs) I can't even I can't even say it with a straight face. Mora skinned Banshee and then wore those skins to access Krakoa. I feel like we have like we have to start there, right? Um now Mora's been acting like a cartoon villain since Inferno, right? But I mean I feel like there's something of a fine line between someone acting villainous like as a way of self-preservation or in their own self-interest. I think there's a fine line between that and, you know, wearing the skin of your former lover. You know, for, for a moment there, I almost thought I accidentally picked up like an issue of an Ultimate comic. Like, this is something we probably could have seen in Ultimatum, right? It fits right in with, like, Blob literally eating the wasp, right? Actually, you know what? I, I, I sort of kind of take that back. This actually feels like if Chuck Austin had written Ultimatum. And it's, it's so insane. I tell you what, I actually had to read that scene a few times. Because I couldn't imagine that I was actually reading it right. You guys know me and my uh, literary density Where, you know, sometimes I'll see things that aren't there. Sometimes I'll need things, like, explained to me like I'm five years old in order to understand it. This, this was what it was. I mean, I really thought, I was like, that's not Banshee's flesh face, right? That that can't be. Like, there's no way they're going to do that, right? Like, right? Well, well, yeah. Yeah, they did. And you know, um, one of the things that uh, comic enthusiasts of my vintage and around my vintage tend to focus on, and perhaps even hyper-focus on, is the concept of uh, breaking the toys. You know, you talk about a creator coming on and breaking the toys, and sometimes they're able to put them back together before the next person takes it over, or maybe they're not. (laughs) You know, maybe that's just not part of their plan. Here, how, how do you... You know, we talk about the devaluing of life, right? Um, life doesn't matter in the post-Hoxpox landscape because Banshee will be back tomorrow. But that doesn't change the fact that his former lover 
killed him, skinned him, and wore his wore, wore his skins. You know, we talked a bit about um, this sort of a thing when we read Way of X. We talked about how death was meaningless and how they were even kind of like peer pressuring uh, Pixie into, I think they even said, you know, uh, pop her death cherry. You know, they were pushing her to die. And sure, you know, life doesn't really matter because they're going to come right back, but they're still going to experience pain. They're still going to experience death. They're not going to remember it, but, I mean, that's a traumatic experience, especially when it's as ridiculously over-the-top as this was. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about the skinning (laughs) again. But um, let's move on. Let's put a pin in it for now. Um, We'll we'll continue on the topic of over-the-topness. Arnab Chakladar just happens to have a six-foot Liefeldian firearm in his lab. Like, where was he hiding this thing? He was just able to, like, pull it out of his pocket and and aim it at Wolf... Uh, Also, uh, we have Phalanx Wolverine, who's able to perform brain surgery with his claws, with enough precision as to erase one memory? I I get that he's a Phalanx now, and he did do a little Phalanx scan of Chakladar's brain, but come on. I don't know. Speaking of labs, uh, we are to believe that Forge's mutant depowering gun is just there. Just there, like, on the wall, where anybody who's tall enough, which, I mean, it's at it's hip level, anybody can access the damn thing. I mean, how many ex-villains live on this friggin' island right now? You would think this pistol would be... A heavily guarded thing, or at the very least, at least locked away somewhere. But no, it's just there. Anybody who accesses Forge's uh, lab can grab the power-neutralizing gun. Mm, okay. Uh, you know, I feel like when we started our Zlato, Zlato coverage, I threw around the term bat spit insane quite a bit. And I did so mostly as a compliment. Well, here we are, uh, what, seven or eight parts into this thing, and it's still bat-spit-insane. But I'm not so sure that that's a good thing anymore. And I mean, I can't lie to you and say that I'm not having fun with it. I'm still having fun with how wild a ride this is. But part of me, there's a part of me that can't help but wonder, you know, how are we going to walk this back? And that little voice is getting louder and louder in the back of my mind. Like, is Mora salvageable at this point? Is there any interest in salvaging her at this point? Or, and this is me completely spitballing and projecting quite heavily, but for those of us X-Fans who were around when uh, Grant Morrison left the title, uh, you may remember how quick Marvel was to kind of undo a lot of what he did. You know, it felt very petulant, it felt very petty, and it resulted in a lot of bad stories that not only didn't make sense in and of themselves, but they retroactively made a lot of a run that a lot of us hold quite dear not, maybe not so much not make sense, but carry a lot less weight. And part of me, the, you know, cynical nitwitty part of me, which is a rather large part of me, wonders if, you know, Hickman... And if you've been listening to this show for a while, uh, first, thank you and I'm sorry. But second, you'll know that uh, I, did, I wasn't a fan of everything that Jonathan Hickman did. 
But I can't argue that he didn't come into this with a plan, because he certainly did, and a lot of that plan centered around Maura McTaggart. And he put a lot of effort into making these seismic changes in her character, and retroactively, you know, the history of the X-Men, he did a lot of work to finesse and massage these things into working within the greater, you know, continuity framework, right? He, he actually did a really good job with, with all of that. And then, just a couple years into his, you know, planned three- or four-year run, he announces he's leaving, and he's leaving with a bang with this Inferno project, which, and as always, I'll preface with, I have absolutely no insider knowledge, but part of me feels like the Inferno we got was not the Inferno we were originally going to get. I feel like Inferno was... Inferno was going to happen. I feel like Inferno was going to happen, but rather than being the swan song, I think it was going to be, you know, kind of the capstone on the Reign of X era, moving us into whatever was to come next. I think Inferno was set up to be one massive shoe drop that was going to just change our perception of this era and, and send us... Maybe to the end game, maybe the next, you know, the next step was going to, or the next chapter of X was going to be the last one, or just one step closer to the last one. But that isn't really what we got, was it? We got a story that was a little, it was, it was satisfying to read, but it was still a little bit muddled, right? But not only that, it led to the other books in the line kind of just standing still. Because I don't think anybody had a plan for what was was to come. And again, I have no insider knowledge. It's just a, you know, an idiot's view uh, from the outside looking in. But I definitely feel like Inferno was going to end with uh, some sort of a moral reveal. But maybe not the one we got. You know, when we left Inferno, um, Hickman had Mora exiled from the island. He literally removed her from Krakoa. I don't know if he had plans to carry on her story somewhere down the line, or if he knew that Marvel was going to hit the ground running and do what they're doing to her here in uh, Zlato, Zlato. But all that having been said, so I don't, you know, lose my train of thought completely, in reading the X-Deaths chapters here, it almost feels like they're trying to undo any possible goodwill that the readership may have had for Mora post-Hoxpox. It almost feels like a purposeful, like, ruination of the character, like... Hickman put a lot of work into this. He's gone now, so screw it. We're going to just do whatever. It's, again, just like when Morrison left and we had the Magneto and Zorn thing, and that just turned into a big-time cluster. That completely took the wind out of the sails of an entire era that so many of us hold dear. And I, I think that the Hickman run is one that a lot of folks do hold dear. But, I mean, at this point, he's gone a month or two, and a character that he put a lot of work into is now a foaming-at-the-mouth lunatic who wears her ex-lover's skin suit. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about this in upcoming episodes, but, uh... Oof. Let's just take this one home. Um, you know, I, I'm at the point in reading this where I'm hoping that, like, Ben Percy was just told, Go nuts! And then with every single script he turned in, his editor handed it back to him and said, What part of Go Nuts did you not understand? <laughs> because... Oh boy, this ooh, this is this is insane. You know, dude is a good writer who, in my opinion, I feel he's come a long way from his poor run on Teen Titans. But 
<laughs> this is uh, this is something else. Um, you know, we we do talk sometimes about uh, the concept of evergreen stories, right? And I feel like this is going to be one, a different sort of evergreen story. Um, not like a not a Watchman, not a Dark Knight, not even a Hoxpox, but this will be. A sort of evergreen story Because I feel like, say, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now If comic books are still a thing We will still be calling back to Zlato, Zlato Anytime something spectacularly ridiculous happens Sort of like how we still will call back to Any number of stories from the Chuck Austin run You know, we talk about the Draco, Draco And uh, how ridiculous that was Anytime anything silly happens in the books I think... Zlato, Zlato, uh, may be the new Draco, Draco. And again, I want to make sure I say, despite all of the craziness, it's still a fun ride to be on. So if anybody out there is curious about Zlato, Zlato, um, I believe the entire thing is already up on Marvel Unlimited, so if you got that, it won't cost you a damn thing to have your mind blown. But I think that's where we'll leave it for today. I would love to hear your thoughts on... The Banshee skin suit. Um, can you even believe that that's a sentence that I've said like 600 times today? I mean, I've said it so many times that it actually sounds natural now. That's That ain't a good thing. But uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> if you have any, please, please consider reaching out. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Or you can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You could also join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. For the complete audio archives, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere. The internet aggregates noise and or sound. And finally, there is still the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash xlapsed. But it's just about that time for me to head down to the old blood lab. I, I hope there isn't a uh, six-foot Liefeldian firearm on the wall there. I, I'm pretty sure there won't be. Though I have been wrong before. But with all that said, I would like to thank you all so much for choosing to spend some of your time with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Oh